Welcome back, everybody. Rachel Prince here, Rentalpreneur, realtor in Indianapolis. Since this Friday, uh, a lot of the restaurants are open in Indianapolis for outdoor seating. So I'm getting excited about that. That seems kind of strange to get excited about outdoor seating at a restaurant. We are here on the B&B Entrepreneur Podcast. In this episode, uh, I thought would be really, really cool to do. Uh, on rental arbitrage, again, uh, you, know, you guys know I have had uh, the conversation of rental arbitrage before on here with my correspondent, Shane Huff. But today I've got Traver Santos, who is a rental arbitrager in Nashville. And uh, he's got some things to say about how he has pivoted during this time and during the COVID uh, outbreak and what he can do. I know there's a lot of people out there that subscribe to the rental arbitrage model. As you guys know, I'm particularly more uh, streamlined towards the investing and real estate investing by B&B world. So it's going to be interesting to see what Travels has to say. So welcome, welcome. Thank you very much, Rachel. Travers, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, first of all, you have to tell us about this name. It sounds Greek, maybe? I don't yep. know. What's Travers mean? Travers. 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 Yep, it's a Greek name, so Travers Xanthus. Actually, full name is Travers Demetrius Xanthus, so it's pretty Greek. <laughs> Tikanis. What's that? Tikanis? Do you speak any Greek? It, I think uh, you're no, supposed no. to. No, I'm, you're I'm pretty from it so you're your hey look it's not a bad idea to know at least one phrase in most every language um, I think it means like how you doing and your response oh, nice. good good gala 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 anyway not going to give you lessons in Greek today because I'm really interested <laughs> to learn more about your background and also like what you've done to pivot with the COVID outbreak from rental arbitrage. I know a lot of people out there are probably freaking out. Uh, you know, I've just read an article about it in um, and, and what people are doing with regards to their sublets, their leases, and, mm-hmm. and the rental arbitrage, vacation rental world. Yeah. Do tell, do tell. Yeah, so I mean, I got started with rental arbitrage about three years ago. Um, you can also call it master lease. Uh, and what rental arbitrage is, is really taking advantage of the differences between uh, short-term rental prices and long-term rental prices. So if you can find a landlord that's willing to uh, rent you like a regular long-term tenant and allow you to decorate and furnish uh, the property as an Airbnb or a short-term rental and then manage it from there, then you play the differences. So let's say you're making $3,000 a month um, in short-term rental income and your rent cost, that landlord, is $1,000, then you get to keep that $2,000 in between uh, to use on your expenses and keep the rest as profit. So it's a, it's a great business model. Um, the best part about it is it's really easy to scale. So I've done some, you know, run some numbers before and looked at it, and uh, when compared to purchasing uh, an investment property that's the exact same, say, condo, um, based on the numbers that I looked at, you can basically get about five rental arbitrage condos uh, for the same amount of money. Um, with that, your cash flow is going to be about five times higher, almost five times higher. You won't be getting any equity on the property, but uh, if you're making five times more money in terms of cash flow, you can take that and reinvest it into a, a nicer property or more properties that you want to have so you can gain your own equity. So uh, rental arbitrage is a, is a great model. Um, 
it's seen its challenges in the past couple months. But I think that uh, if you really look at it, it's, it's a little bit safer than actually buying properties because a lease is not as strict as a mortgage or a bank, right? So every single year you get the choice of whether you want to get out of that lease or continue with it. Um, also, um, I had some really great landlords. We were able to work out a lot of deals um, during the COVID-19 crisis. And uh, I've been able to get out a couple of the leases that I wanted to. I've been able to expand and pick up a couple more leases uh, and more profitable properties. So uh, it just gives you some added, added flexibility um, when you're just renting the property instead of owning it. So tell us a little bit about what you were doing. And we're going to get into that a little deeper. We are. Um, but tell us a little bit about who you were before this rental arbitrage and uh, maybe how you evolved into it. Like, where did you hear about it? Yeah, so I was in um, sales. So I was working in corporate sales for about uh, probably six or seven years uh, before this. Um, I was doing healthcare sales. I had a good commission check and I was actually wanting to purchase uh, a property that I could do as a short-term rental, which I had no clue uh, about this sort of thing back then. I had a friend of mine that was doing Airbnb. That's really all that I knew. So I asked him if I could take him out for a beer and kind of pick his brain a little bit. And when I got there, he, he immediately told me that, um, you know, he said, hey, Travers, I'm not buying houses anymore. He basically explained to me the rental arbitrage model and said he had 50 or 60 apartments in Nashville. Um, and explained to me the process for how to get them, how to manage them, everything. I was sitting there with a notepad and wrote it all down. And the next day, you know, I woke up feeling a little bit rough, and um, I was kind of like, you know, that sounds like an awesome idea, but I don't think I'm ever going to do it. But um, I just started looking on Craigslist and started making a list of properties that might fit the criteria that I need uh, in terms of regulations and permitting and things like that in Nashville. And then I started calling the landlords, and I got a lot of no's, but I started to get a couple maybes, and those were the things that got me really excited. So uh, after that, it was kind of just game on, and uh, started gathering properties and started getting them ready and managing them. And uh, I think it was after about two months, I realized that I was just about making enough money to cover my living expenses, and that's when I decided, hey, um, I'm going to keep growing this. And in eight months, I decided I was going to leave my corporate job and move to Bali, which I ended up doing. So it's been a great, great path so far. Bali so that you could work remotely and hire someone else to do your dirty work. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I, I employees that were taking care of the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, I ended up, I was supposed to be in Bali for a year, and after about four months, I got kind of tired of not moving forward with anything, so I had to come back and continue growing. So... I get to focus huh. on the big picture now and, and growth and, um, you know, strategy. And I have the, have a property manager that's a full-time employee managing the rest. Do you think that to get into this rental arbitrage world, sales experience will help people? Oh, yeah, for path? sure. I mean, the hardest part, the most important part of rental arbitrage or master leasing is being able to find and analyze properties to make sure they're going to be profitable and then pitching the landlords and getting them to say yes. Uh, so if you have cold calling experience, it definitely helps. Uh, but, you know, if you can learn a good pitch um, and just memorize it or get comfortable saying it, uh, that's going to go a long way. So did you look on at YouTube videos of what other people were doing or just take your friend's advice or do your due diligence yeah, before I mean, you started? Yeah, years ago there wasn't really much information online about it. Uh, so. I took some advice from my friend. I know 
Um, right before I started making phone calls, I, I had my list of people I was going to call, and uh, I texted my friend and was just like, hey, what are those talking points that I needed to hit again? Uh, and kind of took those and just, I mean, I wasn't very successful with it at first. I was probably getting a couple maybes out of 30 phone calls. Um, but over time, I've been able to adjust my pitch. Um, and now I know which type of properties I'm supposed to be calling, uh, what the owners or the managers are going to be, what they want to hear. And, uh, and I've kind of perfect, perfected the, the pitch a little bit. So I'd say now about 80, 85% of the calls that I make, I get yeses, which is um, now it's just more about picking the most profitable properties that I want to invest into. Yeah, I feel like, you know, when you get some solicitations over the Airbnb app, and some people just, you can see them flailing right away, it's like right off the bat, just like, oh gosh, like I'm like, no, <laughs> rejection. But so and then, people are reaching out to you through Airbnb? Yeah, just, yeah, like sometimes I'll get some solicitations for photography. Right. Like one mm -hmm. of the things for photography, will, a solicitation will be like, I saw your pictures and I think, you know, I'm a really good photographer and thought maybe you might need some improvement with your, you know, like kind of like, well, I right. did those pictures, <laughs> not realizing <laughs> that you're like insulting me. <laughs> right, exactly. yeah, I hear that. So there's definitely tricks to get people in the door. Do you want to um, give people a little hint to have t as the door opener as to like what you do? Like what's the first yeah, I mean, thing you kind of say? Same, really. Um, you seem to call them, feel comfortable. Um, I have a whole training where I teach people how to do this. Uh, oh, okay. The basics would just be, um, you know, <clears throat> get the top points down that you need to cover. Uh, there's probably five or ten points uh, that I have listed um, that you want to get across to the landlord to make them feel comfortable and make sure that they understand. You can't just come out and say, hey, I want to rent your property and do an Airbnb. You have to kind of slowly adjust them and get them prepared to understand that. A lot of the times they don't, they have no clue what you're talking about, or if you just say Airbnb, it's going to really scare them off. So you have to talk about corporate rentals, um, business travel, phrasing, phrasing things that way until you can kind of get them to open up to the idea and then discuss uh, in more detail. So yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, well, I'm sure people want to know more about your training. You can talk about that um, as well if you want. You have a yeah. have a, a website or anything? Yeah. So I have a business kind of a mentorship business called the STR Method. Uh, so the strmethod.com, as in short-term rental method, mm -hmm. um, where I teach people how to do rental arbitrage. I did, uh, you know, I've had a lot of students, and a lot of them have had success using the things that I've taught, which has been really cool to see, um, you know, the success rate. The people that take it seriously are able to find properties really quickly. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and uh, cool to see other people have success with things that I've come up with. Cool. So now you give us the time frame from when you came back from Bali and the COVID-19 outbreak happened and like your immediate pivot. Uh, you seem obviously like an, a smart person, so there was obviously some really fast uh, transactions happening on your behalf to save or salvage your business. As uh, everybody out there knows, mostly knows now that the travel bans, restrictions, and outbreak and quarantine pretty much decimated the travel industry and the vacation rental industry, and you know took away what 98% of all bookings at least for a few months, um, thousands and thousands of dollars. I know here in Indianapolis we 
probably lost, uh, you know, thirty to forty thousand just in a couple weekends. So. Yeah, so I guess I was back from Bali for maybe a year and a half uh, when all this started. Um, so I had totally different plans for what my 2020 was going to look like, like I'm sure most people out there uh, did. But, um, you know, I kind of caught wind of what was going to happen with COVID-19 a couple days before, you know, it was on mass media. So I had a call with an old friend of mine, and he kind of talked about quarantining, and I was like, that sounds completely crazy. I can never imagine it, but... The things we saying, I'm like, wow, this is this is crazy. Like, this might actually happen. And if this does happen, uh, I'm in a lot of trouble because I have 24 properties, and basically my overhead is like 60 to 70 thousand dollars a month. So that's a lot of money to put out if you're not getting any revenue. And if everyone's quarantined, then how am I supposed to get that revenue? So my first line of defense, what I, the thing that I thought would be the the best thing for me to do to start, because I was about to go to Costa Rica for a week. And I was going to go to Buenos Aires for a month just to kind of live down there for a while. Um, and I decided that I was going to lower all my rates. So, you know, I have my rates pretty high three, four months out, uh, and I lower them as we get closer. But uh, I lowered all my pricing down to about the same as if it was maybe like a week or two out. So pretty low, but still enough to make decent money off of. Um, so I lowered that for the next three to four months, and within a couple of days, because people were still booking trips then, and I have a strict cancellation policy, meaning uh, that if someone cancels further than seven days in advance of their check-in, that I get a 50%, they get a 50% refund, I got to keep 50%. So it's a nice insurance policy for Airbnb hosts, as you know. Um, so I lowered all my pricing, and I had about $80,000 in bookings within a couple of days, and I was looking at the calendar and doing the math and saying, okay, well, you know, I should be good if, uh, you know, for the next couple of months, no matter what happens, I'll be making enough to cover my expenses. Um, unless Airbnb starts giving full refunds, um, but I didn't think that was going to happen. So I flew down to Costa Rica. Right when I landed, I looked at my phone and realized Airbnb made the decision to start giving full refunds, and um, I basically panicked. My heart dropped, and uh, I basically was looking for the next flight back because uh, I knew that I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I had to do something because I worked really hard and put a lot of money and time into this business, and uh, I needed to figure out a way to save it. So initially my thoughts were I had two choices. You know, I could either um, spend my cash that I have and maybe stay alive for two months because that's, that's all the cash that I had available. Uh, stay alive for two months and hope that this thing's over in two months because back then we had no clue how long this was going to uh, last. Or, you know, I could keep the cash that I have right now, basically close down my LLC and try to pull out all of my, pull out of all my leases um, and start over fresh with my capital after all this is over. Luckily, I was able to really just hustle and find a bunch of different ways that came together to prevent me from losing any money and improving upon my portfolio during the t this time, which has been pretty cool. So uh, I did a lot of things. Um, I started a, a website called medreliefhousing.com. Uh, this was like mid-May, maybe, mid uh, sorry, March 20th or so, mid-March. My idea was that there was going to be a lot of nurses and healthcare providers that were traveling to larger cities to help work in the hospitals, uh, that also providers would want to separate themselves from their families to keep them safe, et cetera. Uh, so I created this website and started reaching out to a bunch of news reporters in Nashville and, uh, you know, nationwide 
and had about 15 to 20 stories written on it. Uh, three of them were nationwide, the rest of them were mostly local. Um, basically just talking about the Med Relief Housing website and what I was doing was having people that were first first responders or med providers um, reaching out to me, emailing me, telling me what dates they were looking for. Uh, most of them were kind of one or two months based on their contracts and I would either put them in my properties or I would link them up with other Airbnb hosts uh, that had you know accommodations for them. So uh, that was pretty cool. I was able to get some of my places locked in with that. Uh, I switched to midterm stays, so a lot of my places, uh, you know, the most success that I found was on Facebook Marketplace, actually. So just listing my places on there uh, and getting anywhere from one month to even 12 month bookings um, or you know tenants, I guess you would call them now. Um, so just to break even prices. So I was just really looking to cover my expenses. Uh, and the way that I looked at it was every single property that I found a subleaser for um, was basically me saving that property for myself in the future. Um, so I did that. Uh, I was also able to kind of offload a couple of my, my poorest performing properties. Um, three of them, I'd, I worked out a deal with the owner where I'm, I'm teaching his wife how to manage the Airbnbs or the short-term rentals herself. So I sold all the furniture to him, uh, walked out of that, um, which was awesome. Another one I found a tenant to replace myself with, uh, so I got out of that one too. And um, there's been a lot of, you know, there's some large master lease companies out there that are, they have a couple thousand uh, properties across the U.S. and internationally, um, a couple hundred million dollars in backings from uh, investors, uh, and they haven't been able to pivot as well as I have because, you know, with 24 properties, it's difficult, but it's possible. With a couple thousand properties, it's, it's probably not possible. All they can do is really lower their rates. Um, so what I've been able to do, since a couple of them have gone out of business, and I know which buildings they're in here in Nashville, oh I've been able to work out deals where I'm able to basically, before I sign a lease with the apartment complex, and these places are really hard to find in Nashville. It's really competitive. Uh, it's hard to find apartment complex style properties that will allow you to do this. Um, so I want to take advantage of this opportunity now, but it's also really risky because I don't know when uh, short-term rental market is going to turn around. Because right now, if I was just getting these places, investing in all the furniture and the first and last month's rent and all that sort of thing, uh, I would be in trouble because I wouldn't be making money for a while. But what I'm doing is I'm finding subtenants uh, beforehand. I'm getting them interested in the properties. I'm getting them to sign a sublease with me. Then I turn around to the apartment complex where the previous business went out of business and had their, their apartments or properties there, and I'm signing a lease with them. So I'm basically filling it, then signing a lease, and having it babysat for me until next spring uh, when hopefully everything's back to normal um, and I can uh, you know, start doing Airbnb with the, with the highly profitable properties. So that's been kind of a cool way that I've been able to turn this Pivot. from yeah, just a, a affordable situation to uh, benefiting and growing my business. Yeah, I, I think your story is incredible, and I think that it's very smart. I think there's a lot of people who are not nearly as savvy as you are and who may have not capitalized on or even have the, the savviness to understand how to pivot. So kudos to you for being able to do that. I, too, kind of understood that given the nature of this um, predicament that we're in that I needed to uh, pivot as well because I work with just investors who have 
um, who own their asset and a little bit different approach from the rental arbitrage where, you know, you know, you may, I think, I think the one difference is that, um, let's just say I buy a property for 87,000, um, which this is the property I'm actually in right now. And then in 10 years from now, that property is, is ultimately becomes, um, you know, over $250,000 worth of, uh, uh, you know, appreciation wise, then my end all take home is going to be greater than the rental arbitrage. And that's kind of where my mindset is at for a retirement plan or financial freedom that we're looking for into the future, right? So um, that being said, I still need to pay the rent given Mm. that the rent or the the mortgage, given that the mortgage is only, you know, 500, 600 bucks a month, I'm not in such a bad place. Um, you know, the, the, so I think, you know, from my, you know, we have different perspectives when, in regards to that, I can, I totally understand where you're at with, uh, you know, thinking that the, um, rental arbitrage model will, um, be, remain profitable given a normal short-term rental market, ideally. However, um, you know, under the circumstances, are you just kind of, Breaking even, or do you notice a, a you know a profit? Also, did you? I think you said you got a PPP grant that you're you're potentially having to utilize to pay your employee now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, first off, I do want to uh, to be clear. I I definitely am for purchasing properties, and that's that's one part of my strategy. Yeah. That sure. uh, the you know the key to long term wealth is owning property. Um, but there's there's two different buckets. There's got to be a cash flow business. There's got to be the investment side of things uh, for long-term wealth. Um, you know, the rental arbitrage business can be looked at the same way as your property management business. Uh, they're just a little bit different models. Whereas the rental arbitrage has high risk, high reward. Uh, the management business, which I also do some third-party property management myself, um, has a lot less risk uh, with sometimes lower margins, but um, you know, it's, it's all, it can be a combination, but either one of them, that needs to be the cash flow part. So that's basically your job. Then the rest of it is investment. So I have two houses I own in Nashville and I'm building two more right now. Um, so I definitely believe in, in long-term wealth building through investing. Uh, but right now, yeah. So right now I'm not really making any money. Um, a lot of things did come together, uh, where I'm, I probably, made a little bit of money over the past couple of months uh, in terms of, you know, with a, with a PPP loan, uh, with some of my landlords helping me out by reducing uh, rent or being flexible with that, uh, with forbearance for the house of my own. So uh, things have come together, um, you know, over the past couple of months. But really, I'm not looking, I don't expect to really make much money until next spring. Um, I think that things are starting to turn around a little bit. We're starting to get because I have basically half my properties are month to month or week to week or even one year leases. Um, the rest of them are still running a short term rentals. I'd say maybe 75% are, are midterm or long term and then 25% are uh, short term. We're starting to see more bookings, which is great. Uh, obviously, they're lower dollar bookings. Um, so, um, you know, I think this summer is going to start to pick up a little bit. I think next fall is going to be, you know, better unless we have another quarantine, if there's another outbreak. So then winter comes, which here in Nashville is not very great for short-term rentals anyway. So I'm looking at kind of next spring uh, for things to, to hopefully turn around by then. 
for your predictions. I think that is, you know, an accurate assessment that I would agree with for now. I'm looking, I've been mentioning it to my members, you know, maybe don't buy an asset right now. Uh, wait, you know, wait, at least wait till the fall. Keep, get, keep your eye on the ball and then make a decision later in the year. However, uh, there are some people who have bought, say, like a, a small condo by a hospital and, you know, it was maybe paid cash for that and are seeing a return. And, uh, but I wouldn't buy, I wouldn't suggest buying based on one model ever. Like, that's why I'm called the rentalpreneur because I believe in all different types of rental models, yep. not just Airbnb, not just HomeAway, not just renting your home. Um, it could be arbitrage. It could be, uh, renting a teepee or some land. So I think there's a lot of different ways to skin this cat. Uh, the, the basic, I think the biggest takeaway here is to make sure that everybody as a host is prepared to pivot. And, and this has taught us how to, to, to understand that things can, can happen that we had not imagined. And therefore, you know, this will teach a lot of people. I think what your, your story will teach people uh, the, the formula for how to pivot on a on a much greater scale. Um, even if they just have one property, that's that that could uh, be what they needed to hear right now to move forward for the rest of this year. If things you know, if the climate travel climate doesn't really change, I noticed from our end we're getting, um, you know, we I have a lot of luxury properties, so we have. Uh, you know, we can take 14 people or a luxury property where some people just want a staycation or just to get away to something nice. Right now, people felt feeling a little cooped up. Um, flights are starting to not get canceled as much, so we're having some people come in from out of town and do like a more like a little getaway. Uh, I think, in some regards, I think that the vacation rental world is a solution for some people who want to have a vacation, whereas uh, you know, say Disney World, if that's shut down, or Vegas is kind of shut down, this, you know, going to a house or to convene with friends. So we've noticed that we have like a, a Memorial Day is coming up. So we have a group coming into one of our places with a pool, and uh, hopefully it'll be sunny outside for them. But I mm -hmm. think, um, you know, they will, uh, that we're starting to see some, some different shifts according to this new paradigm, this quarantine world or post-COVID world, or, or I guess we're still in the middle of it. Um, than this COVID world. And um, so I would say there's some, some interesting new patterns surfacing. Have you noticed any new patterns on your side besides the mid midterm, which we're now talking about month to month bookings because we've done, you know, uh, having lost 98% of our short term rentals. Now, yes, we're probably back up to um, 80% and we're just still working very, very, you know, in the last week or two, we're working to get another month booking. And then once that goes out, we're working to get someone else in there. It's not like we're planned out for the whole year yet. You know, it's very last minute still as 80% of like Airbnb, their bookings were always like two weeks within their travel date or their, their date of um, that they were going to be at the, at the, the home. But now it's still kind of last minute, this midterm bookings month to month. But are you noticing any other patterns jump up with like the types of reservations for the shorter term or even longer term? Because yeah. yes. before it was like nurse, nurses and... Right, right. Um, yeah, it's definitely a different type of renter. Um, I will say before I get into that, 
I have had a lot of success. Um, you know, people are booking for longer terms, but say they're booking through Airbnb and they're there for two or three weeks. Uh, we've been making sure to call all of our our guests um, towards the end and asking if they want to extend their stay before they start looking somewhere else, or maybe we even suggest it, suggest it early on, um, because a lot of them, especially in April, uh, were extending their stays. I mean, we've had some people that were supposed to be there for two weeks that have been there for you know since this started, you know, two months or however long ago. Um, so I definitely recommend reaching out to them and trying to get extensions. Uh, it's been a lot of um, you know, usually we have in Nashville, we have people coming from all over the world to visit to see Broadway uh, and the honky tonk bars. Um, right now, those aren't open, so and flights aren't happening, uh, you know, across the pond and things like that. So uh, the travel, you know, kind of the travelers changed a little bit. A lot of them are people that live in town in Nashville and want a larger place for a staycation. Uh, we, we've actually had a lot of trouble with that, and normally, during normal times, we don't rent to locals uh, because we just had so many problems with locals having parties and, and trash in the place. Uh, you know, my, with, with my kind of uh, direction, uh, we started letting them, and now we're kind of reaping the repercussions from that because uh, we're starting to have a lot of parties again, even though oh. it's kind of like, you know, who's having parties right now, but we're getting a, a lot of problems with that. So we're going to have to put a stop to that. Um, it's people that are able to drive in, so people that come from nearby states or, uh, you know, so a little bit different. They're booking for lower prices. People are a lot more picky. Um, we're getting a lot more, you know, we have, we've been super hosts for three years, and I think we've gotten three one-star bookings in the past couple weeks. Uh, people are just like, being super picky. Uh, one girl came in, there was some ants, it just rained, I think the ants came inside to this house that I own that we've never had ants problems with. Um, she came in and, you know, immediately canceled her stay and drove back to Florida because of the ants. Uh, you know, so people are just Florida, being kind of, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, guests have been kind of challenging during this time, but we understand that um, things are going to be changing a little bit. We've, we've kind of changed our cleaning protocol a little bit more, um, more sanitization, things like that. But, but yeah. Sometimes, the, sometimes the properties are staying vacant for, you know, a week or two and then collect right. more dust. And I think there's mm -hmm. like, you have to do a pre-clean. And if you don't, because I didn't do it on one of my properties for like a week, two weeks, right. and they were complaining of dust. And yeah. For sure. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely something uh, that's happening. Um, but yeah, I think the turnaround is going to be, you know, in different ways. Like if you look at leisure markets, which are traditional vacation rental markets, so things like beaches, mountains, uh, lake houses, things like that, that recovery is going to be faster um, because people are, you know, if you look at another market like an urban market, say New York City or Nashville or even Indianapolis, um, people aren't going there to stay in a house just to relax, right, for the most part. Um, they're doing that at the beach, or they want to go up in the mountains and rent a cabin with a hot tub, uh, and it's just going to be their family there. Uh, people come to Nashville because they want to go to the bars. Um, so it can still be big groups, but they want to go out and mingle with other people, which uh, right now most people don't feel comfortable with that, and it's not even allowed in Nashville. So um, We've seen, you know, our larger houses have had trouble getting bookings, um, which I think you've probably seen as well. Uh, the smaller places are doing better. But anyway, I think that the return to normalcy is going to be quicker for leisure markets. 
uh, and a little bit slower for urban markets, but uh, but hopefully it happens sooner rather than later. That's a great point. I, I think you're right there. I know some of my clients with properties in the um, eastern mountains, the Carolinas and things are doing well, that, that's where they want to take their families, like you said, with a mountain escape with a hot tub. And now that the beaches open up, I know there's some cheap flights from here to Orlando, what have you, and uh, people are looking to just go to the beach. And, and now with outdoor seating restaurants uh, opening up, uh, then I think that that's going to expand even more. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I know that like in Indianapolis they're try looking at potentially closing down some streets to allow extra in outdoor seating for some restaurants, which I don't really know what that means. If they're going to do like a festival, like that sounds like a recipe for disaster for some people. Right. I, I think it would be great, but I, I just think um, the out, you know, who knows what that will bring. <laughs> I don't, oh, I don't know what, what they're thinking. Exactly. But, yeah, but that would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, we, as far as you had mentioned parties and having to crack down on that more and more, you know, I've always been very big on screening. I've looked for different software programs that really allow me to do screening well. And I was really surprised to, uh, to find that most of them don't. Most of them are um, really just, uh, you know, pushing through these different channels, but they don't really care about, mm -hmm. there's a huge disregard, not, not only amongst the, uh, platforms themselves, but the actual softwares to manage those, the channel managers and the software systems to manage that. There's no like, it, they may not import the, um, you know, the, whether they have a verified email, whether they have a government right. ID, whether they have, what they're, where they're from. And I found that a little boggling. We just had another shooting here at one of our Airbnbs. Uh, not mine, but a, 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 um, a friend who lived nearby, who lived in that neighborhood and was, you know, the whole neighborhood was roped off because of the shooting wow. at the Airbnb. Uh, it, it, it was enough for me to get a canary. I just bought a canary for my property so I could, uh, not only you can do a video camera monitor and disclose that in the, the listing where it's um, needed, I can also turn that off, but it has an alarm and an alarm that I can sound remotely, which works like a charm, I found out, um, because my one client has Vivint security systems in it, so it has a little alarm panel, a dashboard mm -hmm. on the wall, and then um, I realized I could turn the alarm on and I just watched swarms of people come out. This was like months ago, but it was awesome. I gotta That's tell you, perfect. it was, a, it was great once we realized uh, everybody just shuffled out of there so fast. It was just freaking amazing. So now I, uh, I would definitely recommend that people consider getting a canary, getting the Vivint security systems, having that, especially since, yeah, the climate has changed. We are booking to locals. I do, I have, a lot of people want to have like a birthday party, 40 people, 30, and I'm like, you know, first of all, it's not really legal right now. Can you check back with this next month so we can tell you if we can have that size of a gathering? Um, I could do it if I wanted to. It's probably just it wouldn't matter to me so much. But I just don't even want to have to deal with parties. People are right. cooped up and they're ready to go. And th now I just don't feel it's the time to host a party, let alone Airbnb. You know, having cracked down on that, they they should they and all the platforms, in my opinion, should have something else in place for that. Some uh, much more grave consequences for people um, who you know, are going to threaten the safety of, you know, this system. 
So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens, um, you know, with with their response to all these shootings and the and the parties and like how people are just allowed to book with, you know, I guess an email or if that a phone number and mm-hmm. um, you know no 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 uh, recourse no you know so yeah we've just been cracking down a lot a lot more yeah. Um, you said some of the businesses, some of the property management businesses are rental arbitrage. I know there's a few here in Indianapolis. They have gobbled up maybe like 30 contracts for like one apartment building when it's actually not allowed to do short-term rentals in it, but because they did a bulk deal. Like front desk, I think they are allowed okay. to do bulk deals in places. They've made deals where you're typically not allowed to do short-term rentals. And the way I found that out was because a friend of mine um, – said he tried to do it there and they told him he couldn't and he's like yeah but these people are coming and going all the time and they're like well they have a contract with us yeah so he's like exactly. man that sucks so anyway they let him out of his lease but um but anyway that, that that could i think that's a little problematic it's another topic however that being said are companies that you know of are they have they not been able to pivot um have they failed to pivot uh is it just they don't have the manpower to pivot. Do you have a response to that? And do you yeah. ha- do you know some companies that have gone out of business? Yeah. So I mean, there's a number of these large mass release companies. Uh, Front Desk is one of them. Um, to me, they're kind of more of a newcomer. I- I've only recently heard started hearing about them. But uh, some of the more traditional ones. I think the first one was Stay Alfred. Uh, yeah. Some others are Sonder, Domio, um, Lyric, Vacasa, Vacasa. Uh, I think. Most they're mostly like third-party property management. They might have some master lease agreements, but um, you know I think a lot of them do a little bit of both. Um, but those bigger ones, uh, the problems that they've had is they have this backing. They have this venture capitalist backing, uh, and when you have venture capitalist backing, you have investors that you need to report to. Um, the business, a lot of them, they want to build it up and then sell it um, or continue, you know, growing it, um, but. Either way, they have to have continued growth. That's what they have to show their investors. And the problem that they've had is they've been growing, 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 growing like crazy. Uh, and what these guys do is they'll set up deals with apartment complexes all, a lot of the times while they're under construction. So if it's an apartment complex with 500 units, um, they'll set up a deal to take the, the first two floors when it's done. And they will pay like maybe 20% higher than uh, normal rent price. Um, and they'll sign maybe a five or ten year lease agreement. So that's a little di- a bit different from me, where I just get a handful of properties, um, I pay the normal rent amounts, and I sign a one year lease. So they have, you know, their their terms are longer. Uh, they've been growing like crazy over the past couple of years. So I think last year, like they keep on doubling in size every year. I don't know if it's that much, but it's it's pretty close to that. So if you can only imagine, you're just investing, investing, and growing, growing, your business is only set up for growth, uh, then something like this happens where it's like you have to stop growing and you have to figure out how to not just maintain but save the business, uh, which they aren't really built to do. So, um, you know, and they, they kind of got caught with their pants down. They've, they've just put all their investment into growing and they haven't recouped it yet. And so no one imagines something like this. I mean, any time that I thought about the future, I thought that I would at least have a couple months to say, oh, maybe the, the economy is turning or uh, this model isn't working anymore and I could make my decision by the time my lease comes up uh, for renewal. 
I never thought it was going to be five days and everything's done, um, which I'm sure they didn't either. So they went from growing, growing, growing to all of a sudden everything stopped. Some of them didn't have enough money and had to go bankrupt. So, so are you them, are you thinking that just that's that's the, the your perspective of what they're where they're at, or you actually know of some of these guys going through growing like this, you know, pains like it? Yeah, are I mean, people I know, I know going that out of business. Ones that it's mentioned have already gone bankrupt. Bankrupt. Yeah. Or is that publicly known or? Uh, I believe so. I'm not going to mention the names, but um, okay. yeah, two of maybe the five that I mentioned. The other ones, uh, I know one of them had to lay off uh, a little over a third of their staff. Um, I mean, they're they're caught. Right. Well, in, Airbnb, even Airbnb has had yeah. to make huge and has actually publicly announced layoffs and so on and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see um, where those layoffs were. At least with like Airbnb, you know, did that happen with, um, you know, just customer service or with technology or what areas? So. They, did, they did. It was it was one channel. Uh, I can't remember what it was. Um, uh, it had to do with their, their Airbnb Lux, so their luxury stays. Um, and I can't remember what else it was, but it was, it was oh, just... Oh, program. Division. Yeah. Well, that Airbnb Lux thing never really worked that well. Anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> I heard kind of, yeah. Uh, was on the out anyway. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to mention? I think this has been really informative for a lot of people out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I'd just i say if you're an Airbnb host out there, just keep your head up. Uh, things are going to turn around and uh, just continue taking action. If you wake up every day and try to set action for the day, you're going to keep moving forward. And I mean, for me, um, I think that in a couple of years, I'll be glad that I had to go through this because I've learned so much as a business person that it's going to that's going to serve me for the rest of my my life. Uh, so you just have to kind of change your mindset and keep moving forward, and uh, and we're all going to get through this. And um, you know, I think there this is a really good opportunity for people to get started in the business because there's going to be opportunity to pick up properties that other people have lost. Um, so if you are interested in starting your own business, uh, that can be 100% passive. Uh, and you can leave your corporate job, then I'd love to talk to you about it. So uh, you can go to the strmethod.com, the strmethod.com, um, and sign up, get on our email list, um, or reach out to me um, on Instagram, at TraversZanthus. So I guess you can put that in the show notes, but it's just my first and last name. But uh, I'd love to talk to people and um, kind of help them get through this or help them get started if, they, if they'd like. Travers, thank you so much. I I really wish you the best with everything there in Nashville, and uh, don't be a stranger. I um I, I think that it's going to be interesting times. So let's keep in touch about this. And thanks again for being on the show. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot for having me. Good luck with everything. Thanks you too. All right, you guys, that's it for today's episode of the BNB Entrepreneur Podcast. And if you are still wanting to dip your toes into the short-term rental revolution for when the market does recover, now is a great time to learn. And you can go to rentalpreneur.com to do that, and also buy bnb.net to check out my online course. And additionally, if you like, subscribe, or share this, we'd be eternally grateful. That's how the algorithm works 
to expand this to people who need to hear this message and to learn this information. All right, guys. Well, that's it for today. We'll see you on the flip side.